0: bow our heads and pray together. Lord, as we come to look now in your word in the scriptures, I pray that you would take my lips and speak through them, take our minds and think your thoughts in them, take our wills and bend them more to yours, and above all, take our hearts and set them on fire with love for Jesus, our Savior, who feeds us, who nourishes us, and heals our broken hearts. And we ask it all in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Many of you may know that my favorite music, both for playing and listening, is anchored in the Baroque period. Music of the 17th and 18th centuries. I could pretty much live on Bach and Handel. But almost on an equal par for me is music from the 70s the 1970s, the great era of disco funk. And of all the memorable music of the 70s, my all-time favorite group, I have to confess, is the BGS, the Brothers Give, oh, Joe. The Brothers Give from England. And uh, sometime this fall, this is totally spontaneous now. You may hear a little groove, prelude, how deep is your love? Remember that one from the bee Gees? How deep is your love? Is your love? I really need to know because we're in a world of You know, you had to be really great musicians to do that kind of stuff. I mean, that that was just... (laughs) That, that just blew up out there. I, I don't. That's incredible. All right. And another of my favorite BG songs, which they wrote in August 1971, exactly 50 years ago this month, is a song that asks some questions and ends with a prayer. How can you mend a broken heart? Remember that one? How can a loser ever win? Please help me to mend my broken heart and let me live again. Today feels like a good Sunday here at Truro to pause and think about this question that's really a lot older than 50 years. It's a timeless question. It's a universally human question. How can you mend a broken heart? And in our first reading from Psalm 147, we heard a wonderful, reassuring answer to this question. It's the psalm actually appointed in the church lectionary for this morning, August the 15th. And I think it must be a God thing. This beautiful psalm is full of strong, robust verbs that tell us the amazing thing that God has done and continues to do. The psalmist tells us that our God reveals and gives, he sends, he supports, he satisfies, he strengthens, he blesses, he provides, he calls, he determines, and on and on. But the two words I love most are found in verse 3. The Lord heals our broken hearts and he binds up our wounds. I need to hear those words today, maybe we all do. The Lord heals and he binds up. A wonderful reminder that yes there can be hope for a broken heart. There are many seasons of life when our hearts can get wounded and broken. As a young child, as a young adult, in middle age, in older age, our hearts can get broken. And in our closest relationships, our hearts can get broken by our spouse, or our children, our siblings, our friends, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And then our hearts can be broken in life's losses. The loss of a job, a marriage, our good health, our financial security, and the ultimate heartbreaker is death, be it sudden or prolonged, or expected. Over the past 18 months here at Truro, many of us have felt our hearts breaking or broken. Over the loss of two rectors and then in the middle of it all, a pernicious, paralyzing pandemic bringing its own share of heartbreak and loss. At our congregational meeting last Sunday evening, I started counting the number of times the words heartbroken or heartbreaking were spoken. And by the end of the evening, it was 16 times. Our bishop has spoken those words, our staff and vestry have spoken those words, I've spoken those words, and so many of you have spoken those words these past many months. But there is hope and good news for you and me this morning. There is hope for a broken heart because, as we heard, the Lord heals and the Lord binds up our wounds. Today I want to do something I've rarely done in my 33 years of pastoring and preaching, rather than give a traditional sermon with some in-depth research and theological study and alliterative points. I just want to share with you some simple reflections, some personal words of testimony on some things I've learned over the years and am still learning about facing heartache and heartbreak with family, friends, relationships, the churches I've served, with life. Over my 66 years, which actually hit 67 a few days ago on Wednesday the 11th, Oh gosh. Thank you. So I'll let the Bee Gees give us our sermon question and title this morning How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? There are many things that can answer that, but primarily for me, I found it takes time, it takes Jesus, it takes other people, it takes forgiveness and it takes perspective first of all time it takes time and you know god wants to do more than just mend a broken heart he wants to heal it and that so often does take time and it's a journey that we have to travel and walk through slowly but surely with god at our side we acknowledge honestly before him the hurt and the pain Vulnerably in his presence and just let it come out because, you know, the beginning of healing starts with acknowledging the feeling. In so doing, we can be very raw with God and in his presence, uh, in quiet or out loud or gentle or agitated or peaceful or just angry, explosive. That's okay. The psalmist did that. And they said, pour out your heart to God, O people, with all of our pain and hurt, and know that he is hearing, he understands every word. Jesus speaks about this so clearly in our gospel reading we just heard from John 6, where he compares the bread given by Moses in the wilderness to the bread he gives. He says, remember your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But whoever feeds on me, the true bread will live forever. And that's actually the prayer of the Bee Gees. Please help me mend my broken heart and let me live again. When you have a broken heart, something within us dies. And we have to identify it. And let the Lord heal it so that we can live again. And Jesus offers that to broken-hearted people, healing and hope and life once again. But it takes time. We can't tiptoe around the pain. We can't uh, walk over it. We can't run under it. We have to walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me and you comfort me. Isaiah reminds us when, not if, but when, You pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not drown you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord, I am with you. And this takes time. Secondly, it takes Jesus. And as I think about Jesus, I remember his life and I remember his death. I remember that in his life, he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He came to his own and his own received him not. The religious folk said he was crazy. Others, a blasphemer that even had a demon and at times even his own family had doubts about him. And during those 33 years of living, many times he must have had his heart broken. And then I remember that in his death, his body was broken when he bore the sins of the world. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The great hymn we sing at the 745 service says it so well. I cannot tell how silently he suffered as with his peace he graced this world of tears. Or how his heart upon the cross was broken The crown of pain to his three and thirty years. And as Jesus died for us, his heart spiritually broke, I imagine, into a thousand pieces as he endured the isolation and loneliness and the God-forsakenness of the cross. And medical science tells us physically he probably had a broken heart as well through the utter horrific agony of crucifixion and the pressure placed on his heart. But that same hymn goes on to say this, but this I know, he heals the brokenhearted and he bears our sins and calms our lurking fears and he lifts the burden from the heavy laden for he, the savior, the savior of the world is here. So I remember the life. And I remember the death of Jesus. And I remember the many promises of Jesus. Remember how he began his public ministry, his first sermon. He stood up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, God the Father, has anointed me, God the Son, to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. No wonder... He said later, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and in me you can find rest for your souls. Then there are many of God's promises in the Old Testament. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isaiah 57, thus says the High and Holy One who inhabits eternity... I also dwell with those with a crushed and lowly spirit, reviving and healing the heart of those who have been crushed. And as I remember Jesus, I remind myself and all of us that even though God may seem so far away, He has promised to be with us, never to leave us or forsake us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And if God is with us and for us, who can be against us? A third thing to heal a broken heart. It does take Jesus, but it also takes his people. Because healing is so often connected with the help and support of others. And I found it's really helpful to remember other people whose hearts have been broken and healed. I think back to the people of God who've known heartbreak. You think of Joseph, this young strapping man of 17 or 18 in the prime of his life, thrown into a prison for a crime he never committed. His heart must have been broken. I think of Moses who yearned to enter the promised land, but he couldn't. I think of David who yearned to see the temple built and oversee it all, and he couldn't. I think of Elijah, hiding, depressed, lonely, fearful, in a cave. I think of the Apostle Paul, who said he was so burdened and exhausted, he even despaired of his own life. I think of C.S. Lewis, who said after his wife died, it was as though I could hear the door closing behind me and the lock being double bolted. And he and all of them eventually found the restoring, healing touch of God. It takes other people in my life living today to talk and cry and pray with me. A good friend or a counselor or a colleague is so good to have in a time of brokenness. And I just want to say that over the past 18 months or so, I am so grateful for my clergy colleagues and staff friends and uh, the vestry and so many of you here in the congregation who have cared for me. And uh, many of you have come to me and said, Coleman, how are you doing? And that's not just a, hey, how are you doing question, but that's been a, how are you really doing kind of question. And you have listened and supported and prayed with me and for me, and for that, I will always be grateful. A fourth important thing I found in heart healing is forgiveness. Healing a broken heart very often involves forgiving another person or other people who've hurt us. And sometimes they are very aware of what they've done to us and other times they have no idea. And I have found it's often more difficult to forgive a person Who has unknowingly hurt me than a person who has done so knowingly. But whatever the offense or form the offense or the offender takes, it's so good and liberating to finally be able to come to the place of saying, well, I cannot forget the offense, but I can forego and let go of my right to get even with the offender. And I can release my offender into the care and even the blessing of God and go free. And you've probably discovered when we don't do that, and unforgiveness begins to fester in our hearts and bitterness and resentment take hold like a stubborn weed. You know, it's like holding on to a burning coal while our offender is oblivious and we end up with third-degree burns on our palms because we just can't let go of the cold. Could there be a heartbreak or an ache in your life that's waiting for the healing balm of forgiveness? It's a gift to yourself. As we've heard so recently in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God, has forgiven you. So there's time, there's Jesus, there's others, there's forgiveness, and last of all, there is perspective. Acknowledging that in my pain and brokenness, I can't really see, usually, the bigger, fuller, clearer clearer picture that only God can see. I am not God, and I don't know what he alone knows. And so I have to ask myself, what circumstances am I not aware of? What intentions or motives in other people's hearts that I'm not aware of? What raw facts and details of the given situation am I not aware of? And when it comes to perspective, I find, I can be a lot more clear about the past and the future than I can about the present. Now that may sound strange, but I've come to realize that especially when a situation involves people that I know and love and care about and respect, and where I have in that situation uh, with limited understanding, I simply have to say to God, This is cloudy and fuzzy, and I have to give it to you. As we think about our present sadness, indeed brokenness, heartbreak at Truro, many of you have spoken words to me like, well, I don't know what to think. Right now in the present, it all seems so cloudy and unclear to me, and my response has been, well, that's really where I'm at as well. And it's okay. Maybe this is a time to embrace the uncertainty and simply entrust the outcome to God. Because cloudy perspective in the present can be okay. There are times when it's good and even right. But where my perspective is much more clear and focused is in the past and in the future. Because I can look back at my own past and the past of others and the past of this great church, Truro, and I can see the sovereign hand of God at work over the years and the decades and generations providing and protecting and rescuing and redeeming and restoring in ways that only God could do. I have a clear perspective On that, the past faithfulness of God. And as I gaze forward into the future, my future, your future, Truro's future, I see the promises of God giving us comfort and assurance and the hope of glory and final victory. I think of a new dimension of life where the Bible says every tear and sadness and heartache will be wiped away into the light and love of God. So that's my word of personal reflection and testimony this morning. And it's just very simple. In this broken world, we all have broken hearts how can we heal a broken heart there is hope for healing through time through Jesus with others with forgiveness and with perspective and just one final thought about perspective in the end all will be well and if all is not yet well that is because it is not yet the end. Our God is at work and he will have the final word.